It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the Sports, sports Rush, Rush with Brett Rush. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Clark, go over there, touchdown! Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are incredible! Awesome, you've been older than I'm wise. Yeah, well, you're half right. What is this, amateur hour? This is going to be huge. I believe this is going to be our finest hour. Just when I think you've said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking. I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. That boy ain't right. The simplest way to put it, I have problems. Welcome to the alleged show. It is the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump, along with Adam Lundy, our studio producer for this edition of the Sports Rush. Big show coming up. We're going to have our number two, a couple of great guests. Don Fisher, our 15 Minutes with Fish, presented by Cruzy Automotive Service. That will come along at 520. And then Rayfield Davis will be on at 535. Welcome to our show. It is the Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 46862. And uh, and if you have any kind of questions, comments, or suggestions, you can always let us know. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Don't know if you uh, had a chance to follow this earlier today, uh, and I don't know if our Sound for the uh, the headphones is normal. Uh, okay, it just sounds funny today. I don't know why. It sounds real tinny, just kind of a weird sound in the headphones. But uh, earlier today, Mastodon's women playing in the Horizon League Championships. And, uh, of course, it was kind of a history-making day for the Mastodons as they went down their first time in their history, taking on the number one seed, Green Bay, and quite honestly, you look at it on paper and you think this is a mismatch. Probably it's going to end up being a one-sided game. Green Bay uh, on the year 26-4. and four. Uh, Mastodons with a losing record on the season. Close to 500, but still losing record against a 26-4 and four team that's absolutely dominated the Horizon League this year. And the Mastodons put up one heck of a showing. Came out, got a big lead early, led 20 to 9 uh, early second quarter, and eventually Green Bay kind of found the sights on the basket. They were struggling shooting. I think they were one for their first 13 shots, and I think they were like two for their first 18 from the field. But when they started finally hitting shots, then the Mastodon's lead quickly evaporated. And Green Bay got it tied by halftime at 32 apiece, took control in the third quarter. And the Mastodons would not go away. Despite being down by as many, I think it was, was it nine points or 11 points at one point? Um, it ended up, uh, it ended up being a heck of a game down the stretch, but the Mastodons just fall short, losing in 69 65 to the Green Bay Phoenix this afternoon down in Indianapolis at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum. And so, uh, the season ends for Maria Marcasano. But I'll tell you what. It may be the end of the season, but it is the 
It is the the sunrise of what is a really growing and advancing program. Uh, this this program has some really bright days ahead. I mean, this was a group that was primarily recruited under the previous coach. They had some very hard times in those five years under uh, their previous coach. Maria Marcusano was brought in, had a successful track record at a couple of places, including Mount St. Mary's, and uh, and she's immediately had an impact on this program. This team developed over the course of the year, uh, but but many of the things that she did with this group just just kept reaping benefits. Um, she had bold changes to the lineup throughout the season. All of a sudden, reserves, maybe some that were getting very few minutes or some that were out injured, came back, got themselves inserted into the starting lineup, became rotational players. They performed well. In fact, she kind of went with lineups where if you were the top performer, you were the one that started and you earned those extra minutes. There wasn't a set rotation. There wasn't a set starting lineup. Uh Players not performing were taken out of the rotation. Nobody earned minutes just simply because of their status or who they were, or how long they've been in the program, or what they did in prior years. And, uh, you know, that's bold to be able to do that with a program and maintain culture in the locker room because a lot of times players want to pout about stuff like that. She kept the team together. They understood what they needed to do to improve, to earn their minutes, if they didn't do it, they didn't get the minutes. And so you had a lot of players, I mean, veteran players, like Riley and Ryan Ott that played almost all the time a year ago that got got cut. And, and Riley Ott, a senior, uh, was primarily a bench reserve. I mean, barely getting into the game. And you got to give her credit because she maintained a good attitude through it all. Ryan Ott, her younger sister, she was a former starter, got pulled from the starting lineup, and eventually got very few minutes out of rotation. But, uh, you know, you've got to give them credit to accept their roles and to accept accountability for their own performance. Uh, Sydney Graber is an example. Transferred in from Central Michigan, uh, struggled a bit this year, and uh, she she found that she wasn't getting minutes in the, the rotation at the end of the season. So, you know, Maria Marcusano made some bold moves that could have risked the culture or the locker room, but instead this team came together. They played their best basketball. When you expect teams to play their best basketball, that was end of February, heading into March. And today they went up against a Goliath in Green Bay, Gave it everything they had. Unfortunately, your margin for error is so small when you play a team like Green Bay. And you can't make those little mistakes along the way that cost you possessions, cost you shots, or cost you points. Silly fouls that put somebody to the free throw line. Um, A bad turnover. You know, turnovers that you'd expect to make in the first game or second game, but not by game 30 or 31 or 32. And so uh, a couple of those mistakes probably cost them some some possessions that they ultimately needed because you just can't make up for the talent that Green Bay has. And uh, unfortunately, it was too much for the Dons to overcome it today. They lose it 69 to 65. And uh, but still plenty of things, plenty of bright spots to look forward to with this team. I mean, it 
it's so positive and it's it, you're such a proud moment to watch where this team has gotten to and how competitive they were and how impressive their fight was today when you look back a couple of seasons ago when they had to scratch and claw to beat non-D1 opponents and lost some of those games. That's bringing the program a long way in a short time. And you know what she didn't do? She didn't do it with transfers. No. She actually took the players. It's almost like making a great dinner with someone else's leftover groceries. <laughs> and I, I don't mean that in disrespect to the players that are here, but... It would have been easy probably for her to say, we're starting over, we're cleaning out the cupboards, and we're going to go buy our own groceries. Meaning, you go to the transfer portal, you find players that you feel are talented enough to come play for you. But no, they worked with the players they had, they developed what talent was currently in the building, and they've slowly added and grown with good recruiting. They've got some outstanding talent coming in. Renna Schwederman out of uh, Jay County, is going to be among the recruits for next year. I'm sure they'll probably pick up somebody out of the transfer portal. And, and in fact, they're even looking at classes two, three, four, five years down the road right now that they're having impacts with. And a number of the girls that are local girls are actually looking now at Purdue-Fort Wayne as a viable option because they want to be part of this up-and-coming program that all of a sudden, after being... Uh, you know, in the basement of the Summit League and in the basement of the Horizon League when Maria Marcasano took over, they are now probably a top five program in the Horizon League, but uh, might even be better than that. I mean, if you look at it, they beat this year the third seeded team in the tournament, the fourth seeded team in the tournament, the fifth seeded team in the tournament. They've got wins over each of those teams this year. So you could argue this team's a top three or four program. In the Horizon League, and 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 they probably gave Green Bay the toughest couple of tests that Green Bay had this year, short of yeah. a loss or two, because they uh, they lost by four at Green Bay to end the regular season, and that's why I thought today I was keeping my fingers crossed that they didn't get blown out, because the talent is good enough on Green Bay that they they could blow you right out of the gym, and if you don't come ready to play. And uh, especially since Green Bay wasn't going to overlook them because I thought there's reasons when they played the final week of the regular season where Green Bay could have overlooked them because Green Bay had that huge game on a Thursday night against Cleveland State. The two teams tied for first final week of the regular season and Green Bay beat Cleveland State in a very emotional home win. And two days later, they're taking on a sub 500 Mastodon squad. You could think maybe they overlooked them a bit. Maybe it was a hangover. Mastodons battled that one, a one-possession game, all the way into the final minute, and they did a lot of the same things today. They played great defense. They played so hard, uh, but unfortunately, talent won because the Mastodons made too many mistakes, missed a couple of key rebounds, had a couple of bad fouls, and a couple of sloppy turnovers, and that's all it takes. I mean, you throw those six, seven possessions in, and you lose by four, uh, that happens. And Green Bay is a team that doesn't beat themselves, and the Mastodons couldn't afford to beat themselves because Green Bay was such a tough opponent. But heck of a game today anyway, heck of a fight. And that's what you wanted to see, somebody who would battle all the way to the finish, not get blown out, not have their first experience at the Horizon League semifinals, be a bad one, 
And instead, you leave very optimistic about the direction of this program under Maria Marcasano and where this team's heading into next year. Absolutely. Uh, definitely a, a bright future ahead for that program. We got a uh, kind of another Horizon League-related question on our text line, 46862. It's from Mr. Vegas. He wants to know your thoughts on the uh, the lines tonight for the two Horizon League uh, semifinals in men's side. I love Milwaukee. Okay, so what we got... You're giving me points with Milwaukee. I do like that one. You're giving me three points with Milwaukee. Well, we've got, he said, Youngstown State minus three and a half against... Uh, against Northern Kentucky, and Cleveland State minus two and a half against Milwaukee. Yes, and uh, and so you're giving me his line. I, I saw the line of three, but he's giving two and a half. I think I like Milwaukee with points. That team's playing with a lot of confidence right now. They've got so many different guys that can score. Uh, they're very athletic. They like to play really fast. And so I, I like Milwaukee. Now, when you look at that other game, Northern Kentucky and Youngstown State, that's a, such a contrast of styles because Northern Kentucky wants to beat you with defense, keep the game somewhere in the low 60s. Youngstown State likes to score mid to upper 80s. They want to push the pace, get quick threes, score out of transition. And so that's going to be a fascinating game. But, uh, you know, usually when you expect a game to be really close and it's hard to pick a winner, you take the points. And so I might take the points on both games tonight. If I was if I was to put a little something, something, I think I would lean toward taking the points. I wonder what the over-unders are. Because that Northern Kentucky-Youngstown State game fascinates me because it could easily be a game that gets up to, uh, you know, 80, 82 to 77 or 82-79. It could also be a game that ends up being 62-60. I mean, Detroit Mercy just just had a pretty good defensive battle with Youngstown State. And Youngstown State, one of the top-scoring teams in the country, and definitely one of the top-scoring teams in the Horizon League, usually scores at 80-plus. Uh, Do they have over-unders listed? Did, does Mr. Vegas like to bet over-unders or no? <laughs> yeah, so for uh, Northern Kentucky versus Youngstown State, we're looking at an over-under of 137.5. Uh, I, I, I think I would take the over. Uh, that's uh, basically like a 70 to 68 game. That's what I would need. I think I would take the over. Although, you know, there are extra nerves involved. Like, for instance, Green Bay and Purdue Fort Wayne, I'm sure, played the under. It, at, women's basketball doesn't have the lines, but uh, they played a game that probably was lower scoring than most would expect out of those two teams. Yeah, and uh, for Cleveland State versus Milwaukee, we're looking at an over-under of 149 and a half. Cleveland State, Milwaukee, one forty nine and a half. That's uh, that's up there. That's a, um, yeah, that's a little high. That's up there. That and that surprised me. I so they're saying that Northern Kentucky is going to be effective at controlling the pace of the game against Youngstown State. Northern Kentucky got blown out last time they played Youngstown State, which is reason I kind of believe Northern Kentucky is going to hang in this one because they know they have to be significantly better than they were last time. Northern Kentucky's got the experience in this tournament. Youngstown State hasn't been there. I don't know when the last time. Was it the 90s or something like that since since Youngstown State's made it this far? They just uh, they just have not had a lot of success in making it to Indianapolis. So I uh, I tend to think it's it's take the points in these games tonight. I would take Northern Kentucky. You know, it's top four seeds, two good teams, two good games, and I would... I would lean toward taking the points. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. 
46862. Got to talk about Indiana basketball, Purdue basketball, high school basketball, so much more to still cover here on a Monday edition of the Sports Rush. But let's check headlines around the country. It's today's top headlines with Adam Lundy. Let's do it. Let's get into today's top headlines. Well, the biggest one of today is uh, former Las Vegas Raider back. <laughs> former Las Vegas Raiders quarterback Derek Carr has agreed to a four-year contract with the New Orleans Saints, the team announced today. Financial terms were not disclosed, but sources say that Carr agreed to a deal that could potentially be worth up to $150 million and includes up to $100 million in guarantees. How much is the deal? Could be worth up to $150 million for four years. Okay, but so it includes, I'm trying to do math. Yeah. That's 37 million, roughly. 37, 37 and a half. Yeah. I heard Doug Gottlieb talking about this, and you know, Daniel Jones is wanting 45 million. Lamar Jackson's wanting 40 plus. I think for him to sign, this is kind of setting the market, and I think it's going to be tough for both those guys to have a compelling argument that they deserve the money they're asking for. Lamar Jackson, probably a notch above Derek Carr. But Daniel Jones, no, not a good notch below. And I, But I think this sets the market price for what quarterbacks are worth right now. And that's always it. The most recent signing seems to always be the one that's, it's like houses in your neighborhood. When they look at the value of your home, they don't look at the houses that sold last year or two years ago. They look at the houses that were the most recent to sell in your vicinity that were similar to yours. Same thing. But uh, good deal, I think, for the Saints. They they needed a quarterback, obviously. And for Derek Carr, he goes to a comfortable coach that he's worked with before. So I, I think it's a good win for both sides. Well, police in Colorado said today that they are investigating John Morant's actions from the weekend after the Memphis Grizzlies star posted an Instagram Live video in which he displayed what appeared to be a gun at a nightclub. The Glendale Police Department confirmed the incident took place at a bar in Glendale, a small enclave surrounded by Denver known for its clubs and shopping centers. The department said it is investigating whether Morant might have broken any gun laws. All I can say, and you know I'm a big Memphis fan and I follow the Grizzlies, watch a lot of the Grizzlies games... If I ever make that kind of money and I do something that stupid to risk it, just I almost want to say use the gun against me because I mean it's it, that, that to me he just cannot be that type. I mean, first of all, he's a team leader. He's got to have people around him that point him in a better direction. Right now, he's got bad influences in his life that are leading him down the wrong path, or he's never gotten on the right path, but he's been able to hide it from us. And all of a sudden, now you've got these two stories about your Ob Morant. You've got the story with the Indiana Pacers and the security issues there where the SUV pulled up and there was a laser pointed and they said it was part of a gun, a gun sight or whatever. And you know, now it almost adds credibility to that story, hearing this one. And uh, I I just can't believe that uh, that he's got to find some, some way to get help. And, and that help starts with taking all the bad influences out of your life. And that's going to be the very difficult part because they are not going to leave willingly. You know, they want to be a part of the big high life and the cash and everything like that. You know, they want to drink the fancy drinks in the club and hang out in the club with John Morant. But uh, it sounds to me like like he needs uh, what what's that? an intervention is what he needs.
One more for you, a little March flavor. We're getting closer and closer to the big uh, men's basketball tournament later this month. Several teams have already punched their tickets. Uh, the SEMO Redhawks, the Farley Dickinson Knights. SEMO, SEMO, by the way, I'll jump in. SEMO. Macedon's beat them, so they go. do have a win over an NCAA tournament team. Yeah, so the SEMO Redhawks, the Farley Dickinson Knights, the Drake Bulldogs, the UNC Asheville Bulldogs, and the Kennesaw State Owls. Oh, another Owls. They're all going dancing, and that'll be the first time for Kennesaw State. Yeah, Kennesaw State turned to Division One sports back in the 2007-2008 uh, season, I believe. It's been uh, about 15, 16 years for Kennesaw State. People ask about the Mastodons. It's like Mastodons only started about five or six years before that. So sometimes it just takes time. Kennesaw State is also a very highly funded, very wealthy university that is on the uh, wealthy suburbs, the outskirts of the Atlanta market. So they're in a major market. Uh, You know, there's a lot of pros with Kennesaw State. But I will say this. The Owls were an absolute terrible team a couple of years ago. I mean, they have gone from being a team that I think at one point won like two games to where three or four years later, here they are heading to the big dance. So congratulations to Kennesaw State and all the teams that have made it so far. Of course, the Horizon League will crown their champions coming up tomorrow, and the Big Ten will crown their champions Here's the thing about the Big Ten, though, is it's not about the championship game. It's all about the matchups along the way that could decide bubbles. Because if you look at some of the numbers, some of the metrics, it's going to be Bubbleville in the Big Ten this week. And uh, we'll talk about that as well. So many things that we've got to cover in just a two-hour show, but we're on top of it. If you've got questions, comments, or suggestions, go ahead and fire away on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 46862. You're listening to The Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Listen live at 1380thefan.com. Interesting text that came in talking about adding more mid-majors to the NCAA tournament. And this could be the year where you could see a lot of advancement from mid-majors because around college basketball, there's not... The invincible 10 or 12, you know, it's like uh, if I'm a mid-major, as long as I don't get one of those top five or six teams in the country, because no mid-major is going to be able to guard Zach Eady. Okay, number one. So go ahead and rule rule Purdue out. You don't want to play Purdue. Kansas, always going to be a tough matchup. Uh, Guys that are uh, athletic like Houston and Alabama, those are always going to be tough. The experience you've got with UCLA, they're on a run. But you get to some of these teams that are going to be finishing maybe third in their conferences, maybe out of the Big 12 or um, or out of, like like I'm thinking, a Kansas State, maybe an Iowa State, or certain teams that, to me, are very vulnerable if you match them up with some good mid-major teams. So I, this could be a year, because I don't think there's the depth at the high end in college basketball. I think a lot of those teams... I mean, in Indiana, would you feel safe with an Indiana against um, against who? Name one of the mid-majors. Against a Youngstown State? No. Wouldn't feel safe. I've seen I mean, Youngstown yeah, State, and I've watched Indiana, and I will just tell you, I wouldn't feel safe against the Penguins. We know what happens. We know what mid-majors have done to Indiana before. FAU. They're going to be a darling, I think, on a lot of draft boards, and I, and I hope they, they make it. But... Um, but but the point is, it's like no mid-major that finished fourth or fifth in their conference. 
you know, nobody like an Iowa or nobody like a, um, a, a Michigan or any of those teams. They None of those teams are going to want to see an Illinois. None of them are going to want to see FAU. This could be the year you could see some mid-major magic. Now, I don't think I, I, I think those teams are going to block them. The ones I'm talking about, the top five, six in the country, just because of athletic matchups, the length of those teams. It will present uh, things to those mid-majors they have not seen this year. But um, I, I think they're going to be able to beat a number of the teams sitting in that middle pack. I think a lot of those 7-10 games, a lot of those 6-11 games, and of course we all know about the 5-12. So uh, we'll see how it goes. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. In fact, our texter mentioned he wanted to see Liberty in the tournament rather than a 6th or 7th place power conference team right exactly they said they'd ra- yep let rather see liberty uh just got another text that said uh cleveland state and northern kentucky is going to overtime that's the women's game though oh yeah that's the women's game a little horizon league and that actually. doesn't surprise me i mean that game i expect i mean cleveland state northern kentucky they played i think they played to a final shot about two or three weeks ago. So I'm not I'm not all that surprised by that. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Um, Purdue, how crazy was that game yesterday? Because in that single game, we saw everything that makes Purdue great and gives them uh, and makes them deserving of being a number one seed. But we also saw everything that makes them so vulnerable and worries the heck out of Purdue fans and gives everyone reason to believe that they might not make it out of the opening weekend. And we saw it on display in the same game yesterday as Purdue held on to beat Illinois. But they were up by 24 and absolutely dominating the fighting Illini. And then completely went south. As soon as the Illini put on some really tough full-court pressure, they forced turnovers out of Brandon Newman, Braden Smith. I mean, go down the list. They they just, they forced mistakes. They, um, you know, they ended up uh, forcing uh, Purdue into uh, 11 turnovers, which doesn't seem like a really high number. But Illinois scored 20 points off those 11 turnovers. They converted it into points. And most of them happened during that rally uh, when they came back. So uh, it was tough for Purdue. But they held on 76-71. They get the win over the fighting Illini. But this Purdue team, I mean, it's quite simple. The, the, the game plan is now out. Yes. Attack Zach Eady with double teams. Don't let him get over his left shoulder. Try to keep him off the low block so he can catch it on the left block where he can turn into the lane and go over the left shoulder. Try to force him off that left block early work. And then if he does get it, slam him with a double team, force him to have a high-pressure pass out of a double team. And Purdue, who's going to hit the shots? Brandon Newman hit some big ones in the first half yesterday. But they didn't get enough of them, and they're not getting enough of them right now from Fletcher Lawyer. Um, he ended up 0 for 3 from 3. He was 0 for 4 overall from the field. Uh, Brandon Newman finished 3 for 8. Not one point, I think he had made 3 out of 4. Uh, but he finished the game 3 out of 8. But if you've got Gillis 0 for 2, Lawyer 0 for 3, 
Uh, first, Morton, both 0 for 1. The guys who hit threes yesterday, you can't really count on regularly. Trey Kaufman Wren hit what I think is like his fifth three of the entire season. And uh, Braden Smith was two for two on threes. But we've also seen Braden Smith struggle over the last month. So uh, Purdue's got to be able to take care of the basketball. They've got to hit the threes. And uh, and, and quite honestly, uh, they've got to continue to get big big games from guys like Caleb First and Mason Gillis. And, uh, and that's because when the double comes on Edie and they get that hard-cut baseline from their foreman, uh, cutting in from the corner to the opposite block, Zach Eady has to find them. Because they, when they do, they execute and seem to finish. But yesterday, first only had three total shots. Was one for three from the field and finished with two points. And uh, and he's he's got to be better. Six rebounds for first. Uh, Zach Eady finished with just 17 points, six rebounds, and... Uh, the Boilermakers were led by the 19 points of Brandon Newman. As we said, he started off hot. He played one of his most engaged games, one of his most confident games that we've seen from Brandon Newman in a while. And that's pretty much Brandon Newman in a nutshell. Brandon Newman is basically, um, when I'm feeling good and I'm hot, I can, I can be, uh, you know, best player on this team and I can show some swagger like it. I mean, he defends better. He shoots better. He attacks better. He does everything better when he's hit a couple of shots. When he misses a couple, all of a sudden his confidence gets shaky and he kind of melts away and you don't even notice him. And yesterday, he uh, he had a big impact on the game, especially in that first half as Purdue built the 24-point lead. And then they were outscored 40-16 to 16 over a, a stretch in that second half as Illinois came back. And first of all, Purdue's got to defend better than that. Yeah. Can't give up 40 points in like 15 or 16 minutes. Yeah, it's crazy because they were still up 18 with under 14 minutes left. So it's just like. Yeah, they built a 24-point lead, 18-point lead in the last 14 minutes or so. And then over the last three minutes, they're in a dogfight. Got a text uh, real quick. It says, you are confident with Purdue against a hot shooting guard-driven mid-sized school. I am not. No, I, I absolutely am. Because I don't think they can guard Zach Eady. And I think the Purdue guards will apply enough pressure on a mid-major that I I don't think Purdue would lose a game like that. Yeah, someone else said Loyola, St. Peter's, Purdue very vulnerable, lack good guard play, lack athleticism in backcourt. Again, Purdue is going to have the physical advantage and athletic advantage against a lot of those teams. And maybe it's not enough to get them a win, but I have to count it. Uh, if if I forecast, you know, or predict, I'd have to say you put a mid-major against Zach Eady, it's advantage Eady. I'm just guessing. And once you have that kind of advantage, then you can adjust and game plan for everything else the other team does. I mean, if a guy's if they got a shooter that comes off screens, do you switch it? Purdue could switch a lot of screens because they've got Lawyer, Smith, and Newman now playing in that starting lineup. And you've got Morton as the extra guy. So you could switch with those three guys and try to take away three-point shooters. I I get what they're saying. Uh, threes are better than twos. And if Zach Eady scores every time down, but you're draining threes, you know, advantage to the mid-major. But I just, I just, it doesn't, I, I'm not afraid of that. I think Eady's become so dominant in the post that, 
there, there, I mean, there's very few mid-majors, and I'm trying to think if there's any. You know, there used to be guys like Taco Fall out there, you know, seven, six guys. I know Oral Roberts has like a seven, four, seven, five guy, but he rarely plays. Yeah, that's who I was thinking of when you said I heard he's super, super thin. Yeah, he is a string bean. He'll be just knocked out of the way by a guy like Edie, so that won't be a contest. Uh, Oral Roberts is going to be one of those scary teams, too. They ran the slate in the Summit League. They finished 18 and 0 in Summit League play this year, and they're still uh, they're still rolling along in the Summit League tournament out in Sioux Falls, the tournament the Dons used to be a part of. Four six eight six two Parkview Sports Medicine text line four six eight six two. We're going to come back high school basketball, and as I predicted, I am going to give you the star of the show at the NFL Combine. We've got that coming up next here on the Sports Rush on thirteen eighty The Fan and one hundred point nine FM. This is Maria Marcasano, head women's basketball coach at Purdue Fort Wayne, and you're listening to the Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Macedon women ended their season earlier today. A loss at the Horizon League semifinals, but a heck of a game against top-seeded Green Bay. A David versus Goliath matchup with the upstart program and the Macedons taking on a team that has a long history of women's basketball success. They have made the tournament, I think, five or six times over the last decade. they got a coach that's been there for 20 years, and uh, they came into the game 26-4 and on the season and the top seed in the Horizon League Championships. And the Mastodons battled them right down to the finish, ended up losing the game by four, 69-65. Uh, Shayla Seller scored 21 points to lead the Mastodons in their uh, season-ending loss today. But nothing to hang their heads about. I mean, that was a heck of an effort. They they battled. And uh, like I said earlier in the show, when you take on a team that is as talented as Green Bay and is able to score buckets the way they score buckets because they've got so many different offensive weapons, they are not a star-driven team. They don't have like that superstar that's the whole key to the defense. They've got four or five players that are going to score around – Eight, nine, ten points, maybe on a good day. If you leave them open, they might go for 15 or 16. And uh, that's exactly what we saw today. 17 from Cassie Schultz. I think she averages right at 10 points a game. They got 14 from Sydney Levy, their leading scorer. 10 apiece from Bailey Butler and uh, Natalie McNeil. And here's the thing. Their best player, uh, and I can't say her name. She's their big and it's uh, it's one of those very long names that I don't have a pronunciation guide in front of me, so I'm not going to try to say it. Uh, her initials are JK. But she is probably the most skilled, best player they've got. And the Mastodons did not double in the post against her and held her to just five points on two of eight shootings. So they did a great job taking away what you think would be Green Bay's best weapon and still just too much firepower for Green Bay. And they went at 69-65. to 65 uh, just the little mistakes along the way. The teams that are learning how to win have to learn how to avoid key turnovers on key possessions, things like that. Uh, but but certainly uh, the growth in the program is so substantial from when uh, Maria Marcasano took over and can't wait to see some of these new recruits coming in for next year. The freshman class that primarily sat the bench this year, they're going to be back next year ready to play it's uh, everything looks up right now for women's basketball at Purdue Fort Wayne. High school basketball still don't have all our sectional champions decided. We do have one. 
<laughs> uh, we happened to get to Columbia City on Saturday night. Michael McIntyre uh, was on the call as the Wayne Generals Homestead Spartans went at it for a second time. They had a thriller, of course, to decide the SAC regular season championship. And, uh, it, well, at least we thought it would decide the championship. Ultimately, Homestead ended up losing to Concordia. So Concordia got second, Homestead third. But uh, a rematch of sorts at Columbia City with Wayne versus the Homestead Spartans. Another great battle, a real classic. And it came down to this final shot. Lewis passes it over. Finds Lee. Lee gets it back to Lewis. Lewis, three seconds. Shot from the free throw line. And it's good at the buzzer. Javon Lewis at the buzzer. Count it. The Wayne Generals are sectional champions. Great win for the Wayne Generals over the Homestead Spartans. It's Wayne that advances into the Logansport Regional coming up this Saturday. And they will be joined at the Logansport Regional by another Fort Wayne Community School as the Northside Legends won the sectional out at Carroll. And uh, Northside will play Kokomo. Now, you talk about teams that have a dominant superstar. Okay, that's what you're going to see in Kokomo. Yesterday at Assembly Hall down in Bloomington, the Indiana fans began a chant, We want Flory. Uh, Flory Bidunga, the seven-footer out of Kokomo, who so far this year, just among the coaches I'm, I'm pretty confident have come to see him play, you've got... Calipari, you've got Bruce Pearl, um, you've got, uh, well, obviously, Matt Painter, Mike Woodson, I mean, Tom Izzo. Go ahead and name the coach. He's probably been into Kokomo, Indiana during the course of this season to watch Badunga play. Uh, he is a fantastic uh, 6'11", 7-foot guy. And John Peckinpah, who is the coach of Kokomo, a former Mastodon, and uh, used to be on the coaching staff. In fact, at one point was my road roommate for a short time. So, um, uh, good guy. But uh, I talked to him last year, and he said he's so raw, but he is so freakishly athletic and physically gifted that as soon as he learns some of those basketball skills, because he was never really taught uh, he's going to be so dangerous. And I said, how tall is he? He said he started the season at 6'10", but he's probably seven feet by now. That was a year ago. He said he is still growing. So, yeah. Yeah. Tank, uh, what is it? Tank for Wimbanyama? Maybe in like four years. Tank for Badunga. And I've called him Badunga, but I guess it's Badunga is how it's supposed to be pronounced. I don't know. I'll find out more by Saturday because I'll be on the call at Logansport for the Class 4A Regional game number two with the Northside Legends versus the Kokomo Wildcats. And game number one, uh, we will not be able to broadcast because of contractual commitments to the Big Ten Conference to carry the Big Ten Tournament. And uh, they will be on the airwaves on Saturday afternoon. So, unfortunately, we can't do both games, but we will be there for Northside and Kokomo. And, of course, we will give you all of the updates as far as what happened with Wayne in the one-game regional that will be played coming up this Saturday.
Yeah, and it looks like it'll be the Cleveland State women taking on Green Bay in the Horizon League Women's uh, Championship. Rematch. There you go. It they was, just played a week ago. Yeah, it was a 63-60 to 60 win over uh, Northern Kentucky for Cleveland State in overtime. And um, Cleveland State lost, I think, by 12 or 13 points, something like that, when they played a week ago uh to green bay so we'll see if they can make up that ground yeah it was a 15 point loss 64 to 49 okay 15 so it'll be interesting to see what happens in this rematch because the mastodons lost to green bay by four so you know if you're wanting to place yourself what you got to do is uh if if cleveland state gets beat by more than four then the mastodon should be declared runner-ups of the horizon league championships right that's the way it should work if you had the closest game against the team that wins it, that means you're second best. I, I think they might stick with the bracket format, Brad. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I don't think I can convince them into making the change at this point. <laughs> 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. Still coming up on the show, uh, we've got to talk to Don Fisher, legendary voice of the Indiana Hoosiers, who is going to join us at 520, our 15 minutes with Fish, presented as always by Cruzy Automotive Service. Also, Rayfield Davis from the Big Ten Network, and of course, he runs camps here in Fort Wayne. But we'll get his preview of what to expect with Big Ten Tournament upon us starting Wednesday in Chicago. Rayfield Davis coming along at about 535. Before we go to break, real quick, NFL Combine, I don't know if you took any of it in, but there were a lot of fans in the building on Friday and Saturday. Why were they there? They wanted to see the quarterbacks. Why did they want to see the quarterbacks? Because this is the year the Colts might actually be drafting one of them. So, you know, you had about 10,000 amateur scouts <laughs> for the Indianapolis Colts evaluating what they were seeing at Lucas Oil Stadium. But let me tell you, the amateur scouts that are on Twitter, oh, they're a buzz. They are a buzz. The showstopper of the weekend was none other than Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson. You know, I told you I watched film on him and and got enamored. I didn't I didn't go as far as to say this is the guy the Colts should draft. I just said this is a guy you've got to consider. Don't just make it a two man game. Don't just make it a three man game. Uh, whatever the Colts are looking at, because. Anthony Richardson is a freakish athlete. He set combine records for the vertical jump or the, uh, what is it, the broad jump, the long jump, whatever they, he, uh, and what he run, the, the 40, like four, 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 three something. I mean, ridiculous. This guy is six feet, four inches tall, 240 some pounds. Yeah, it was a four, four, three. A four, four, three. 40. Think about that. I'm sitting here, you know, close to his weight. And that would be like four days, 43 minutes uh, for me, not 4.43 seconds. That's unbelievable for a guy that big. But the question comes back. Shane Steichen has made it very apparent that the Colts value accuracy. And the question is just how accurate is he? 46862, but he certainly stole the show with his athleticism. I don't think anybody was expecting it to be that good. They expected that he was probably going to be the most athletic of the quarterbacks. 
uh, record-breaking numbers from Anthony Richardson. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Plenty more coming up. It's the Sports Rush Monday edition on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.